0: Good evening, and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. My name is David Carl Short, and I'm joined by Tom Thrower. Hi. And George Weaver. Hi. Um, I know that Chris normally like says a bit more than that, but I don't have a rhyme. I don't have any kind of um, words of wisdom to start the podcast with. So I thought let's just let's just go straight into it since we last did a podcast. Stoke have won a match. Good. Then Stoke lost a match. Bad. But is there more to it than the simple winning is good, losing is bad dichotomy? Is there more to football than meets the eye? With me, um I've just introduced you. Well, what, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm so completely uh... fucked in a hosting job. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi, welcome back. Um Tom. Um Stoke lost a game, but people don't seem that upset about it as they did previously. Can you explain why that is?
1: Um, no, uh, ah. I, 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 yeah, uh, Stoke. I don't. Know, I, I, just, I'm, I'm so confused by the football club at the minute. It's, it's, yeah. it, we've, we, it's like a, we've, we've unearthed a new thing. We've done being okay. We've done being shit, and now we're just being like abstract performance art
0: yeah so I I watched both the QPR and the the, uh, Coventry game Uh, QPR deserved win you'd probably say Uh, not the most entertaining game at all but uh, we were resolute QPR very very little in the way of chances and to be fair so did Coventry on Saturday they didn't have an awful load of chances but they only needed the one and that is what has frustrated us there. Um, George, how bad a result is that in the grand scheme of things, do you think?
2: As a result, I think it's pretty bad. Um, It was probably kind of similar games. It's just that we made a mistake against Coventry and we didn't against QPR, but I think... There was a little bit there where I thought, you know what, some of the players are mm. not shitting themselves every time they touch the ball. And I think mm. that's probably why there was a little bit more optimism afterwards or kind of we, we let them off a bit because I'd imagine a lot of people are just going to say, well, Hoover's fucked it up and everyone else was okay. Which is, you know, probably true, but at the same time, it's just... There's only so many times we can go around the cycle of play well and not get results because we're conceding stupid goals. Then play badly because the manager gets scared and we still lose. Then have one game where we do okay and then go back to the start again. So I just... It's nice to see there's a bit more confidence and I hope that next week... Is it Cardiff, I think, away? We can kind yeah. of try and attack a bit more and maybe, maybe play another attacker which would be nice or not not stick the 18 year old up front which you know i get why it kind of might have had to be done with the injuries and stuff but it was very depressing to see um i'm hoping they can build on the confidence and maybe try and push it on but again even when we're trying to keep it solid we still concede goals so where's the you know the silver lining really i, I don't quite get it on that side hmm. either
0: well maybe our friend Robbie can offer us a silver lining uh, he's left a voice note on speakpipe.com forward slash wizards of dribble you can too for future games because I'm anticipating that there may be things to say after future games but let's see what's Robbie said after Coventry
2: hey up guys it's Robbie from Tunstall. Um big thing for me this season has been recruitment Um so yeah just how we got into to the point, again, where we've got another bomb squad. Um, it's, it's like going back in time, isn't it? With Bloody and Die and all the rest of him. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've signed all these players in the summer, which was lovely at the time. I got excited, but we've not clearly done the um, the personality background checks, um, which is <laughs>
0: which is probably the
2: thing that started our demise in the first place when we were signing like said Bloody Berrienio and Essay. Uh, but aside from that, it's nice that the you know the players that have been playing this past week, um, have sort of stuck together, um, so that's been quite nice to see, um, and hopefully something for Schumacher to build on. Up oh, the Potters.
0: Okay, so a, a tad bit more optimism there from Robbie. I mean, for me, I think like standards are clearly through the fucking floor. Like that's that's been made clear over this last week where that coventry game was yes it it was good to see that we were pressing well and tackling and doing the 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 quote unquote like unquantifiables and I I can't criticise anyone's individual performance, bar Hoover's mistake. Really, like individually, they were all fine. Even Nathan Lowe was probably a victim of his positioning, um, or, or you know, the players around him more so than it was his his own performance. He was just kind of isolated up against two much more experienced defenders. But if that's like, if that's like our standard for the rest of the season, if that's our baseline expectation, then I'm still really rather worried. It's 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 fine to set up and try and be frustrating and pick those players who you think will be more reliable. But when you can't create any fucking clear cut chances, then the problem the problems really start to come. Now I'll caveat that with I think we should probably just go back to the start with Schumacher's team selection, um, which you wouldn't have known we made. 20 signings from abroad during the summer because we had a starting 11 that was um, entirely British bar two players. And even those two players had basically, you know, spent most of their careers in England as well. So um, it, it seems like we're very much going to be relying on the uh, like experienced in this country sort of players to, to guide us through. He was resting Berger and Juno and a couple of others from midweek, which I understand managing your squad is important. But it was so just nothing-y, like with the ball, it was so uninspiring that if it was like we were setting up for a draw away from home. And that's such a risky game to play at home against a team who are playing better than you. And I wonder if he'll regret that. Um, come the end of the season you need the points on the board now and you can worry about tiredness later perhaps perhaps I'm being a bit harsh there uh, Tom what did you make of the starting 11 when you saw it on that lovely graphic they do of the... it,
1: was, it was yeah it was disappointing wasn't it I think it probably
0: wasn't shocking
1: considering the comments he made after the QPR game where he sort of said and it, it's I guess maybe it's okay and I feel it's maybe been nice to have a manager who will like happily admit that, you know, here's what I want to do, it it isn't working, or at least I need to feel like I can try and guarantee points at least. And I, I think that's an okay thing for a manager to admit. And then I think, I hope that the Coventry game will have given him this Realising that that isn't a permanent solution and is probably like, is actually the story of our manager's downfall since we've been relegated. We have managers who come in with ideas of what they want to do. They stop working. They deviate from those ideas to something. And Alex became obsessed with this um, of like, we need to cut mistakes. We need to cut mistakes. We need to cut mistakes. And ultimately, if you're viewing a football game as something that happens to you as opposed to something you can have influence over. I don't think you're ever going to be successful in modern football. So I think all those changes he made at like the 50 something minute, late 50th minute. And then the, the the sort of the half an hour we had until the end of the game where we, we played the best football we've probably played since this bizarre um, losing spell that we've gone on. Um, will have given him that insight of, you no, know, that that whole parking the bus and being really secure and hoping he can nick a goal isn't a permanent solution. And then hopefully he now realises that he needs to find a team to build around that he wants to play how he wants to play.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think, like you said, the, that was the big Alex Neal thing was what are our weaknesses and how can I try and minimise those rather than looking at any of our strengths whatsoever. I mean, that, you know, the whole of after game five or six this season for Alex Neal was how do I stop our defence being overloaded and our midfield getting played through? Let's just not have a midfield. And I think has kind of done the opposite with that starting eleven in getting the box in that worked for Gallagher in a game or two. Hope that that can sort of pile out and compact out the midfield enough to stop people playing through us and it did to be fair it's just that when your number 10s are luke Kundal and josh laurent then it's really hard to create anything and considering we weren't really creating much when our number 10s were beijan ho and campbell on the wing and everything else it's you know There's not really that space there for him to keep doing that sort of thing. We get to the edge of the box and it's like as if Glenn Whelan's got the ball there. It's just they've no idea what to do. They end up booting it straight into a crowd of players or over the bar or passing it back to Lewis Baker, who does the same. Um, I think that's my worry is that I don't think anyone knows what they're doing as soon as they get near the box at this point.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I can't, I can't see how we're going to score goals with six central midfielders playing sort of tidy passes just over the halfway line to each other. I mean, I like Lewis Baker, I like Josh Laurent. Um I think Cundall offers nothing and I've I've thought that since he's come in, I might be I might just be a hater, but I just I cannot see what he offers. Um but yeah, who 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 do we play up front for the rest of the season now? Are we seriously going to be starting um, Nathan Lowe? Or are Ryan May and Tyrese Campbell ever going to wear the shirt again? Because they just seem to be straight in the bomb squad. Wesley, he clearly uh, doesn't trust for more than, you know, an odd 10, 15-minute spell. So, okay, no, no, like, clear striker. Um, that, as far as I can see, um, I don't know what he's going to do with the wingers at all. If he um, is going to s- persist with this um, kind of system where Thompson and Hoover are sort of wing backs, or Thompson and Junior are sort of wing backs, it's it's very Nathan Jones uh, Jones's first season where he's he's grinding out these nil nils, one nils, one nil defeats kind of thing, and it's like. I don't know. I know we're in a relegation scrap and need the points, but when you don't get the points, you not playing the football that you want to looks pretty daft. And um, I know obviously the problems are much bigger than Schumacher. Of course they are, but I don't know. It's just... I think I, I think think Schumacher
1: that, is making mistakes, isn't he? And I'm not mm. saying this to, to, to be like critical of him and say he's making mistakes, therefore we need to get rid of him. But objectively irrelevant of what you think about sort of, I think it's fine to demand that players um, are fully committed to training. And and unfortunately sort of, I feel like that's what what we should expect as a bare minimum. Um, But I think he's failed with the Mai thing, right? If if Ryan Mai has been dropped out of the squad and goes into a bomb squad, and then two weeks later, three more players allegedly follow him into said bomb squads, You've, you've failed. You haven't, you haven't kept the squad happy. You've upset people and they've now decided that, you know, they, um, are unhappy with that and they're not going to buy into your ideas so much. And, you know, you can long for the days of football in the eighties and nineties. And then he's also failing tactically in the sense of we've got this, 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 we're changing the team every, every game. We're making six changes and it's fine if you have a set way of building into the box and a set way of creating chances because players will be thrown in and will know right this is what I do um but they don't they're 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 having to take the extra touch they're having to take an extra thought to think okay who's playing this week uh, or oh, what does what does what does Thompson normally do here what does Ho normally do here and he needs to find a way to work through those those errors at the minute because I mean, yeah, it's it's not going to work if if we keep making that mistakes.
2: Yeah, I think at this level, that kind of thing is for a team like us who haven't got the parachute payments because we wasted them all. It's you kind of have to have that way of playing. I think the only times I felt pretty confident of us in front of goal are under O'Neill, where it was clear that you get the ball to the wing backs and they cross it in along the floor, or they put the ball in the box for someone like Fletcher. Or that little spell last season under Alex Neal, where it was just cutbacks, 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 and everyone knew exactly what was going to happen every time. Um, I think he's given them freedom in, in the kind of final third to think for themselves, and that's great. But a lot of them are not, either not used to that and not sure what to do, or not very good at that anyway. Um, and I think that even includes some of the better players. I think Beijing Ho has been fantastic, but around the edge of the box, he makes some weird decisions. Um, And again, similar to your speaking about Schumacher, then that's not a criticism necessarily that means don't play him. It's just an area he needs to get better at and probably something that the manager needs to look at. But I can kind of understand why at the minute his first priority is we just need some points. So winning like we did on Wednesday with a scrappy set piece and battling out the rest of the match is okay. But you actually need to win them and then you need to have something to move on to at the end of it.
0: Yeah, um, part of my concern as well with uh, the results we've had under Schumacher is that the wins have come against really, really appalling sides. You know, Rotherham, um, Birmingham under Wayne Rooney and... Um, QPR, who obviously terrible team as well, and and even then their their narrow victory as well. Certainly QPR and Rotherham were. Um, I don't. I right now I look at our next four games: Cardiff, Middlesbrough, Leeds, Preston, and I can see I can see four more defeats. Chances are it probably won't be four more defeats, but. I'm I'm despairing as to how it's got to this situation where we're doing this kind of quasi Tony Pulis thing where we're just like right, get the grafters in, try and grind something out, and that's just there's just too much change happening. There's way too much change happening. I think I think it could also potentially be a bit too little, too late to try and make them play in this in this way. Um, for the final stretch of the season, having played, you know, one, one system, the whole rest of the season. Yes, the, that system hasn't worked, but it's like, it's starting to feel like, um, sorry, non-cricket fans, but people telling, uh, Ben Stokes's cricket team to just defend and tap away. Well, they, they haven't been doing that for a year, a year and a half. Like what's, it's, it's not going to magically transform them. And if and if anything, it puts more pressure on them to absolutely nail that every time, because otherwise we're going to lose games 1-0 like we did on Saturday.
2: And um, even if they did do that, but when they were doing that, they were crap at it, which works again for yeah. us, because when we do sit back, we're, we're generally pretty crap at it, for the most part.
0: Yeah. Um, I just, what what really sort of, started to wind me up a little bit was, oh, yeah, well, you know, we've we've shown a lot more heart in that Coventry game. Yeah, we've shown a lot more uh, desire to fight, which I, I guess is true. I guess there was more running and I guess that some of the defensive play was much more well-organised. I'll accept that absolutely. Certainly compared to Blackburn, which was a fucking defensive shit show, you know, players like uh, Rose and Wilmot and, um, and heck even, even Bonham had a pretty solid game I thought. But it just like again it's it speaks to like um aspirations being being through the floor. Had we not had that QPR result midweek, I I think that team would have been booed off for that result if not if if not the performance. I just don't, basically what it comes down to for me is I don't think we're going to score enough goals and the players we have who might on a good day with a fair win score goals are no longer part of the manager's plans it seems and uh, yeah that's that's a big old worry um, anything else to say on that on that Coventry game because I just, I just found it like incredibly sort of it was a bit like I was being gaslighted by by my own football club, just being like, yeah, see, we are trying, we are trying, we are good. It's like, yeah, but you're still lost. Like, what, what are you doing?
2: I think I'd say I'm still quite disappointed, if not surprised, at the cheering of substitutions going off. And I get that Hoover made a pretty huge, stupid error. I get that he's not had a great season. I actually thought he did all right yesterday for the most part it was just that one big error and again he went off to cheers from the crowd and for a player who very clearly is making mistakes specifically because he doesn't have the confidence to do things that he normally does it, it just really grates and it's not it wasn't as loud as it was for Campbell the other week which again I just don't understand it at all I don't know what his specific issue is in fans minds but that kind of thing just winds me up a little bit, especially when everyone's so kind of happy afterwards with the, oh, we're so together, we're all, you know, all towards one goal, we're doing our best, we're working hard. But but fuck that guy who made a mistake. It's, yeah, that kind of thing sort of grated on me. And I know it won't stop, but it's just frustrating to keep seeing it come up. If it's Campbell... just the stupid toxicity,
1: Sorry. isn't it? I think it's the it's the toxicity that's like... Being ingrained in and and whenever you raise it people will be like oh well you know it's been pretty crap for six years and yeah fair play it has been pretty crap for six years but why why would we then like just just jump in on and try and make things worse if that makes sense I, I don't get I don't get what you're getting out of it because it can't surely it surely doesn't bring you much gratification to be like oh yeah that play has gone off are you, are you trying to say you know, I don't ever want to see that player picked again. I don't want the manager to pick them. What like what is the point? I don't. I've never understood it.
0: I think there's there's a sort of desire for a kind of simple narrative, and and there's like good there's good guys and bad guys, and like there's a narrative form that oh the, these are the guys who are bad and not trying, and these are the guys who are good and are trying. And I don't think anything is as black and white as that. I think if Tyrese Campbell has the same uh, performance as Nathan Lowe yesterday, uh, where he's isolated from the uh, from the supply lines, he's not being fed the ball, he, he tries to win the ball against two defenders on him, but ultimately there's no end product. I think Tyrese Campbell gets absolutely pelted for that. He gets absolute, um, you know, dog's abuse, gets uh, cheered off the pitch and all sorts. But uh, Nathan Lowe is a teenager and he's lo- he's a local lad, so so we'll give him a break. But that's not that's not a criticism of Nathan Lowe. That's it just sort of speaks to the um, you know the desire we've got for um, for a scapegoat. Like we've seen that exact thing happen with Tyrese Campbell loads of times, where he's not where he's not had any support and supply, but because we've built this idea of him not wanting it as much, being lazy, yadda, yadda, yada, all that shite. We've, we've, we've clearly like, you know, made our mind up about him, which is, which is doubly frustrating given that Campbell's been at the club like this whole time, more or less. And, you know, has at least done something in a Stoke shirt, whereas a lot of these guys have not. They simply have not. Um, I feel like Kundal's going to be a player as well that's going to just divide us. I feel like he's got that sort of Joe Allen esque quality to sort of run around, do absolutely fuck all, but be applauded for it. And th- again, it's, it's coming back to arguments, um, that we were having when we were in the Premier League about like, you know, why are we, why are we slagging off, um, Shakiri, who's actually scoring goals and doing things, and praising players who are charging around doing absolutely jack shit. I and I I don't want to like not praise the players for like showing passion and endeavour because that's a good thing to do. Like, I'm not saying that that's not important either. I'm not saying you know sticking to your job and doing it well isn't important either. I'm just saying we need to score fucking goals and. I'd rather have a, you know, a Dimitar Berbatov stood halfway up the pitch having a fag, because at least I know he might be able to score a fucking goal. Um, and as as lovely as Bay is, I I I can't see him scoring a goal for us. As and the whole midfield, unless Lewis Baker happens to hit one sweetly, they're not going to score a goal either. Nathan Lowe's not going to score a goal. Wesley's not going to score a goal. Who's going to score a goal? Anyone? Tommy, you going to score a goal?
1: I'm definitely not going to score a goal. But the thing is, as well, and, and and this is where he needs to step back from that idea of like saving football because you're just delaying their answering of these questions. So you can try and answer them now, and 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 you know we hope that there's enough in the bank for us to to stay up. I don't think. We don't, I don't think sort of getting the points we require to stay up should be too difficult for the rest of the season. I don't know if I'm being arrogant in saying that, but look, I, being able to beat QPR and being able to beat the crap teams should keep us up, which isn't a great sense to be in again after, again, a, another entire rebuild. But if we fall back to that mindset of, oh, well, we've got to win at all costs, we, we'll, we'll do whatever to win, you're just pushing it back. And by September next year and September next season, It'll get sacked because we haven't answered those questions. We've just sort of kept flogging the dead horse of, I don't know, making Stoke players run around and look like they're trying more, which we've been done like so many times. I just, I just like it to end. I just like the cycles to stop.
2: I think it's sad as well that you could probably ask most people, and I can't imagine most would be surprised if you said, oh, by October, Schumacher will be gone and we'll have someone else in. Um, and I don't think that's any slight on Schumacher himself, in the same way it's not really a slight on any of the other 5,000 managers that haven't worked out here for some reason, I think we've said it that many times over the past few years, but the club isn't being run in a sustainable or reasonable way so even when you do get people who are pretty good at their job they can't do it properly Um, and it's it's all just again coming to fruition this year if it is the year that it kind of takes us down then i think there can't be enough anger at something like that happening with the squad and the team and the club that we have um it I, i agree with you tom that basically i think we'll scrape enough together to stay up and probably finish 16th again because that's all we're allowed to do but if something really bad did happen i think i I would be surprised if the book stopped in fans' eyes at Ricky Martin and Stephen Schumacher, to be honest
0: yeah it's 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 hard it's hard to know I think because our our targets have been so disparate for so long that it's almost been to uh, certainly John coach's benefit that um you know we've been able to blame certain players the managers uh Tony Scholes, Ricky Martin, Jared Dublin, whoever, you know, there's there's always there's always plenty of uh blame to go around and it's it's never gonna be fully centred on uh John Coates and there's these weird rumour things that are happening like, you know, uh about Ricky Martin and his attitude. Now I don't there's a certain viral Facebook post I wanna say that's gone round and it's like made a few sort of strong allegations uh, about sort of how Ricky Martin's been running the show. I don't believe that specific um, post is true. However, it does, it does speak to disharmony behind the scenes. It does speak to a club that just is still, it still really can't get its shit together even when you we have this slight grain that yeah oh wait there is a plan in place there is oh right we're, we're so we're signing these certain players we're we're exploiting the foreign markets to get low value players who we can then sell on that's oh that's a good way to run a club that's like how Brentford did it in oh, that, oh that's good I like that um, okay so are we happy that the manager knows how to use it uh, what football yeah football football doesn't have anything to do with recruitment you recruit people and then they do the football and there's no like overlap there it's okay by the players manager does the football with them and there's no like communication either way from manager to recruitment or recruitment to manager um uh and then you just we just get these weird signings where it's like okay so Schumacher clearly wanted Kundal, uh but um man million million man he doesn't sound like a Schumacher signing but also he may have wanted him as well um um, million, I thought actually was fairly promising in a very short period of time. Um, you know, seemed a fairly direct sort of player. Anyway, um, but yeah, it's 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 same shit, a different week. Unfortunately, uh, George, do you want to tell us about Potterlytics and your Patreon doings and transpirings
2: Yes, I do, and I should have prepared something to respond with there. <laughs> but I'll say it off the cuff anyway. Yeah, so I've I mean I got bored of always writing things because writing takes longer and um well I thought writing took longer but apparently that's not true because videos are actually really awkward. But I've started doing some video stuff on Patreon and that's Patreon.com slash potolytics. You can at the minute go on there and see um a load of stats plots from the past few games and some kind of team stats from the season and a video about why Ben Pearson is rubbish, or not rubbish, but there's more nuance to it than that, but I'm, you know, I'm playing to my audience here of WadPod listeners, so why Ben Pearson is rubbish, um, and pretty soon a couple of Q&A ones coming out as well from people who've subscribed and stuff like that. So if you want to see that, please go over. It's two quid a month, and that helps me pay for the website and Adobe and all these things that you know, data subscriptions that keep Potalytics running as it is.
0: Lovely stuff. Yeah. Um, there, there is some genuinely like proper well-researched things on there and there's, there's actual graphs and things which you, you can use to sound clever to your, uh, Stoke City friends because God knows you can't use the content on this podcast. Um, but uh speaking of patreon um it's been a it's been a while since uh we have done anything on on patreon I, I do apologize for that it's you know life has been very lifey these past couple of years um so basically uh to those of you who are still uh, patreon subscribers thank you um but here's the situation uh, all the tiers have been removed and I thought rather than you know, promise things that I can't necessarily always guarantee I'll deliver. I've set the Patreon subscription for this uh, podcast to one dollar, and what that does is, like uh, with Postalytics, pays for websites, pays for SoundCloud subscriptions, pays for all the little bits uh, that we need, all the softwarey bits we need to keep the podcast going. I put a uh, sort of audio meltdown of me watching the. Coventry game on there, and I'll try and do, I'll try and do more of that. I, like I say, I can't guarantee anything, but I don't want to sort of um, be dishonest with you. So if you have enjoyed the podcast over the last couple of years and just think, ah, I'll be nice. I'll give them the equivalent of like 75p a month so that they can keep the lights on. That would be lovely, but it's up to you. It's a free country. Um, so yeah, patreon.com forward slash Wizards of Drivel for that. Patreon.com forward slash Potterlytics. For you, George. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, go to Potolitics first to get the good content, and then like chuck it, chuck us the change in, in our little charity cup. Um, yes. So, I think that's that's everything I need to say. I've just, I'm sorry, I felt like such a miserable sod this episode when you know we actually won a game this week, which you know it's easy to forget. Um, the cricket hasn't helped, but. You know, we move. Hippo tank, Let's speaking of misery, let's throw things in the hippo tank. Um, Tom, you, you you are full of potential hippo nominees. I think you're our... Are you saying I Hi- hold grudges? Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying.
1: Uh, I can't think of anyone throwing the hippo tank at the minute. Oh, um, my God,
0: he's changed. Since he's yeah, got engaged, I know. he's all changed.
1: Uh, oh, no, it's terrible.
2: Um... <sighs> Can I offer up
0: Michael Vaughan?
2: Oh yeah.
0: Michael Vaughan. Vaughan? Yeah. The v- Vaughan. Who's the that? Man. Oh no, Michael Vaughan. Oh shit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, I the ex Swansea oh, keeper. Like, yeah, yeah. no, that's that? exactly what I was thinking. I thought I thought you said I thought you meant the Swansea keeper, first of all. I was like, Michael Vaughan. Oh yeah, Vaughan is in yeah. yes. Ashes <laughs> winning captain. How dare you, George? Yeah. But well yeah, I've, I've got, just listened he is, to he's so painful uh,
2: half an hour of him saying Joe Root needs to be more Joe Root when he got out playing the most Joe Rootiest shot that has ever been Joe Rooted so he can go in there for me
1: yeah I'd, I'd also actually on that strain like to like volunteer I'm thinking like Phil Tufnell but not necessarily just Phil Tufnell other cricket pundits like Phil Tufnell who talk about Bazball in such a negative manner but and this is so hypocritical for a bunch of not-ex-professional footballers who talk about football, but their international cricket careers amounted to losing a lot of test matches. And it's like, why are you telling people how to win test matches? Just, just, just you know, we like basketball. Get over
0: it. I think there is there is a big strain within sports media punditry that comes down to if people look like they're having fun, people can't stand it um definitely true with a lot of the commentators we've got of um of Baz Ball like by all means criticize shots criticize you know individual performances and stuff fine but but I think part of the thing is they can't stand that these lads like like yeah. each other and having a good time whereas their previous tours to India involve them you know getting food poisoning and crying in their room for uh, two months um it circles
2: back to like Campbell and Hoover there doesn't it because They're not as good as they think they are, is like the actual vibe of all sports nowadays.
0: Yeah. It's, oh,
2: he's better than... He he tries really hard, so he's great, or he's not as good as he thinks he is, so never play for the club again.
0: Far a bit for me to defend Arsenal as well, but also like, look, they're celebrating too much for winning. That's the... That's why you... Yeah. Um, Yeah, so yeah. (laughs) It feels slightly ironic to say this at the end of a podcast in which we've basically gone bit shit in it but you know what sport sometimes produces good things and the trick is to celebrate those good things when they come along so yeah don't get negative unnecessarily get negative when you've been uh you know recording a stoke city podcast for six years so that's it from us uh thank you tom
1: thank you for having me joy is fleeting
0: cheers george thank you for having me And in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening and good night. Up the fucking potters. I want to go cry. Bye.